Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Hello, my name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here with Emmanuel Garino. Emmanuel, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Excited to be here. Awesome. So why don't you start by telling our listeners who you are, where you're from? Yeah. So my name is mentioned, Emmanuel Garino. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, we're going to be talking about residential assisted living, what we do teaching on those courses, and then also kind of my background of selling these homes in the Phoenix market and my experience, the ups and downs and the good, the bad, the ugly of that whole process as well. Absolutely. So let's dive in on first your background in real estate. So what got you into the real estate industry in the very beginning? What was your first experience? You know, I always wanted to be in uh, real estate, but I, I kind of had that fear of, well, I'm not going to be good enough, this and that. I watched the million dollar listing and said, oh, I, I want to be that person, this and that. And it wasn't until I ran into uh, actually a great sales trainer, Tom Hopkins, of all people. And we sat down, we had a dinner one night and he just said, you know what? you just need to take action. Just stop thinking, start doing, just take action. And that's when I really started taking those steps to get my license and get started with it. And I had seen, you know, other friends in my, you know, peer group starting to have some success and some people did, some people didn't. And I just said, you know what, I just got to start taking action. And uh, really the big precipice for it was after I had that conversation, I said, ah, maybe, maybe not. I was, I was in college, the next door neighbor's house goes up for sale sells in one day. And I'm like, okay, well that, you know, I, I missed out on five, six grand right there, that commission. That's no big deal. I'm making like 500 bucks a week at the time. My like, yeah, that's okay. You know, I, I don't feel too bad. The next door neighbor to that next door neighbor's house goes up for sale, doesn't even make it on market, sells in zero days. And so now I'm looking at it, I'm going $12,000 I just passed up and I made $12,000 the entire previous year. And I'm going, what am I doing? Just not taking action. Someone's selling those homes. It might as well be me. I'm the next door neighbor. So that was really the start for me of just kind of the technical side of things. And I'm sure we'll get more into my father's story and, and things like that later on. But that was kind of the big start for me. Awesome. Yeah. So that was your first experience. You're like, oh my gosh, for a, a course that will take me 70 hours-ish to complete and get my real estate license, I could be making as much as I make in a year with two transactions. Like, Oh, yeah. What am I doing? I need to get exactly. into action, get my license. So then uh, you mentioned some some influence from your father. 
Yeah. So, you know, really, uh, one of the other big things is, you know, I met Tom Hopkins because of my father, uh, my father, Gene Greeno, he's unfortunately passed away. Um, however, you know, he was a legend in the assisted living industry. And, you know, I just always remember him encouraging me too. but sometimes when your parents tell you something, it goes in one ear out the other, but then someone else tells you the same thing and you get the message and that's kind of what happened. But, you know, what was amazing about it is I just remember my father always encouraging me, always telling me to just keep going. And what was really cool about it is the first deal I ever closed, um, the commission check on that deal was for $15,000 and it was $3,000 more than I made the entire previous year. And again, like we're talking about, it took me about, I mean, realistically, when you break it down on a per hour basis, it took me about one week's worth of work to make it. And yet I'd worked every weekend the entire previous year being a waiter in a restaurant, Mr. Nobody, whatever, $12,000 versus one week's worth of work, 15. And that's when I really learned the lessons about working smarter, not harder. That's for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And then that also lends a little bit of insight into the reason why you chose assisted living homes and why you're teaching on that today. So your father was kind of a legend in that space. And, you know, at, at first it's, I think, natural to resist, especially in your like teenage and, and your, your formative years, and, like or your early twenties to resist a family business. It's so natural to do that. But then, you know, as you mature a little bit, you go, you know, kind of chip your teeth and, and you feel, realize like, wow, business and life is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Maybe I'll go see what dad's doing. So is that, is that kind of your experience? Like you, <laughs> you came know, back around? Much, you know, pretty much it was, you know, wanted to get into corporate wellness. And, you know, before that it was teaching before that it was, you know, God knows what, but, you know, I was just kind of looking for that purpose. And my father, you know, kind of his background, his story was, you know, his mother needed assisted living care. And we lived in Arizona. He lived in, or she lived in upstate New York. And we went to visit her one time and she actually fell. She cracked her rib and she needed assisted living care. When we went to go look for what was available, there was just dumps out there, no other way to put it. And we said, we got to do something about this. So that's when my father started his first residential assisted living home. So we've seen a big assisted livings, but this is in a residential neighborhood, residential home. He started that. And then he started the second one. Then people start asking him, hey, like, this is really cool. You're making a bunch of money with these homes. Teach me how to do this. So he started teaching on how to do it. And around that time, like we were mentioning, I was in, kind of in that college age and I was just like, dad, whatever you need me to do, I'm in, I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take action. How can I help you? And he said, well, you know, we don't really need help teaching right now. What we need help with is our students are looking for deals. They're looking for existing assisted living businesses. We need someone to go out there and find these deals for the students. And I just said, I'm on it. And really after that, what happened was in Arizona, there's about 2000 care homes. And I remember I went to the training with a partner, his name, uh, well, actually we won't use his name. That, that would be bad. But anyways, we left the training and we said, you know, we're going to call all 2000 of these care homes. We're going to start finding these deals. And I remember I called him back probably 10 days, two weeks later. I said, Hey, how many homes have you called? I was starting from the bottom down. He was starting from the bottom up. And he's like, ah, oh, you know, 15, 20, I think, you know, I'm like, well, is it 15 or 20? He's like, oh, actually it might be more like 10. Well, how many is it? Well, it and it was like four homes that he had called in 14 days. And then he asked me, he goes, well, how many homes did you call? I'm like, all of them, all <laughs> 2000 caroms. I called them all. And he's like, well, 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 I had a bachelor party and it was the weekend. And it was, you know, I didn't want to call it because it was late and this and that. And I realized, okay, well, that is not a partnership I'm moving forward with. But I realized that 
that's what a lot of people do is they just make excuses. They're just going, well, I can't be successful because of this, because of that, because of whatever. And as I mentioned, I was in college at the time. I was dead broke. I was making these calls in my boxers sometimes. Like I didn't, I, I guess I had money for pants. I could have been wearing pants, but I mean, I'm like, I'm a nobody <laughs> trying to go out there and make this thing happen. Yeah. And it really just did take that grit just to keep going, keep pushing. And, you know, what we, uh, what I realized when I, you know, got into this niche was, you know, there were people calling these assisted living homes, but nobody knew how to talk the talk. Nobody understood the business. Nobody was really building a true relationship. They were just trying to sell the house, but there's this business attached to it. And so when that part comes up, the realtor is like, well, I have no idea what I'm looking at. And I said, no, I know what it is. I, I can understand that. I know what the buyers are looking for. And and I have some buyers. And, and then I started working through that process. And before we knew it, we just started selling you know, a bunch of these homes and people were going, hey, if you want to sell these homes, these are the people that you call. And that word of mouth really started to take off. I didn't have to make 2000 phone calls in two weeks anymore or anything like that. We figured out how to be smarter uh, and not work as hard as they say. So right. that's a little bit and about so, my background. So the evolution then, you, you started to just work with realtors that had listings for these assisted living homes, because I see them a lot on the MLS. Mm -hmm. There's, it's under the multifamily category typically, yep. and and you'll see it. Hey, this has a thriving assisted living business attached to it, and and you know it'll be like this eleven bedroom house that looks like right. it's like a four bed, but there's like eleven bedrooms in it, you know, and <laughs> and you're like, wait, how's this? An, yeah. This is a single family home. How's this eleven bedrooms? And and so um, yeah, I. I it's, it is something that throws you off, number one, yeah. when you first see it. You don't know what to do with it. And there's so many other deals out there. A lot of people just pass it up. They're like, oh, let's go do something else. Yeah. So that's that's phenomenal that you you now have uh, a little bit more structure and training around that based on proven practices. And it seems like you all also have like a buyer list of investors that want these homes and are ready for them. So yeah. uh, why don't you talk a little bit now about RAL Academy? Yeah. Well, you know, in a nutshell, what these homes are, because I'm sure a lot of people are like, what is this? What are they doing? What are they these things? Residential assisted living. So what we help out with in these homes are uh, the residents' activities of daily living. So cooking, cleaning, getting up and out of bed, bathing and showering. And just kind of how some quick, simple math might work out on one of these homes. You might have 10 residents in the home and they're each paying about $4,000 each month. And that $4,000 is covering everything. So food, care, the house, electricity, you name it, that 4,000, that's everything for them. So 10 residents of $4,000 a month, you have expenses like caregivers and food and electricity. That might be you know, 25,000 each month, let's just call it that, plus a $5,000 debt service on top of that. So at the end of the month, you're bringing in you know, 10, $15,000 a month with an example like that. I mean, that can be very, very lucrative if you're doing that the right way. And we you know, have students who have homes who are bringing in 10 and 20,000 and, you know, plus, and it, it can really get really, really big very fast versus, mm -hmm. you know, doing the conventional single family home rentals. It's, um, it's a way to make a lot more cash flow a lot quicker. Um, you know, just depending on where you're at, your goals and everything that you're trying to do, you know, it is a business is not a passive, you know, investment that you're never going to see. No, but you're also not working in the business. You're working on the business, putting the right people in the right positions. So we're not caregivers or managers. We put those people in those positions. So that way we can have that freedom of time and do what we want. Yeah, interesting. That makes sense. And from that point of view, it is a little bit more interesting than a single family rental where you might clear 300 a door or 600 a door per month, or even if you're airbnb -ing it, 
I mean, at most I've heard like 5,000 a door, you know, and that's like Airbnb in a prime location, right? Killing it. But the fact that you can purchase an existing business with, with beds, with caregivers, and then go in there and run it like a business. Maybe there's a toxic employee that needs to go. And then we, we run a recruiting campaign and we get some new employees in there to work it. And, oh, they obviously didn't market this well because nine of their 11 beds are empty. Yeah. So now we need to go do some marketing and, and fill these beds. And, and so you look at it more like a, a true business and investment opportunity. And the potential then is, like you said, 10, 15K on a single yeah. house. Exactly. And I mean, these homes out there, I mean, there is so much money that you can make on it, but really one of the best things about this is you're making an impact. You're helping so many people who are at a vulnerable stage of their lives. And so our whole motto is do good and do well. You know, if you help enough people get what they want, you can have anything that you want. And we get to help a lot of people and we get to do well financially. It's a really cool piece of it. You know, one of the other things I want to mention, just because I know, uh, you know, we got a lot of realtors and brokers listening, you know, when I was calling those lists, you know, yes, I would always call on uh, the active uh, assisted livings that were for sale and things like that on the MLS and the loop nets of the world and things of that nature. But really in this industry, if you're looking for the best deals, you got to go straight to the source. You got to go right to that seller and you have to find that deal yourself because you always, what's interesting about this industry is, people don't want to, other people to know that they're assisted livings for sale, right? Because if they think about that, let's say the house is worth 800,000, the business is 200,000. If everyone finds out that the house is for sale or the business is for sale, all the residents leave. And now that 200,000 that they were going to sell just went away, plus their monthly cash flow that's coming in. So the best way to find deals is to call them directly, build that relationship and doing it the right way. That's definitely something we go over in the class of how to reach out to them, how to find the off-market deals. But doing it the right way is incredibly important because if you wait for, you know, and this happens a lot in this industry where there's a realtor that comes in, they have no idea what they're looking at. Sometimes they're a new realtor. Sometimes they're, you know, kind of a schemey, whatever you want to call it, realtor. And they say, oh, that business, you know, the house, 800,000 and the business, 200,000. Uh, well, uh, I-, I think I can sell that for uh, $3 million? You know, and they're like, really? Okay, I'll sign a listing with you. And so there's a lot of listings that you're going to see out there. It's a little bit of the Wild West where you'll see deals that are just awful, like make you want to throw up. And then there's other deals that it is just insane what's out there on the market. So So I want to stop you there. Some opportunities there. This brings me to my next question How do you value an assisted living business? Like, uh, what's the multiplier yeah. on revenue? Like, how do you look at it? It's a great question. It's something that we definitely go over a lot in the training, but kind of in short, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I was able to sell a lot of these homes is because I was able to paint a clear depiction of what the market was for both the buyer and the seller. And, you know, with that being said, you know, it takes me probably 30, 40 minutes to explain it in full. But what we're looking at is, you know, obviously the house has a value, Right. So the house has value just in real estate, bricks and sticks. And then there's that business right there. And how do we evaluate that? Well, first off, it's what does the whole thing cost in general? That's what we need to look at. So that's part of it. Because if let's just say um, someone said, well, I'll I'll sell you the house for 300,000, but I want 3 million for the business. It's like, okay, so it's 3.3 million dollar deal. Like it's not, who cares what's on what? It's what is the whole thing in general? One of the big things is when we're running you know, a cap rate on a deal like this, 
this is a little bit different. This is not, you know, an apartment complex in the bad part of Detroit and things like that, right? Where it's hands off. I don't even know where the property is. And you might be getting a eight, you know, cap rate or 10 cap rate. When I'm looking at an existing business, something that's running really, really well, the absolute minimum that I would look at is about a 12 cap. But really, I want to see 15 and above because this is a business. There's relationships. It's not, you know, completely hands off. We need to make sure that we're getting a good enough return on this investment. And it's not just, well, I could have just bought that apartment complex and moved to Hawaii and just, you know, had no worries ever. No, we got to be rewarded for that properly. So just in short, you know, I look at a minimum. I mean, this is like a elite business that I'd look at a 12 cap. I'd like to see on, 15 on and NOI. Above. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so that's kind of one of the big ones there. But, you know, there's some other tips and tricks that go into it. And, you know, it's nuanced because, you know, part of it as well, let's say um, somebody wants to sell for 2 million, let's just say hypothetically, and it's a 14 cap and that's great. But what if I could recreate the exact same thing right next door for $1 million? Why would I pay an extra million dollars to buy that existing business? Well, that's a weighing scale. Right. Maybe if it was 1.3, well, that saves me the time, the effort, the homes are to full, good reputation. Maybe that makes more sense right now. So again, it still makes sense to 2 million, but if I can do it right here, that's where there's a large weighing scale that goes into these. And you know, if you look at residential real estate, you know, and you're doing a Zillow, whatever, or you know, CMA, you might be able to get five or ten thousand dollar off on most comps that you're running. I mean, it's gonna be very small margin of error. It's not a large margin of error here. It's that there's a big range of what's a fair deal for both sides. So when I would do a listing, sometimes I'd say, you know, hey, I can sell your assisted living business and home anywhere from 1.3 to 1.6. It's not that I'm an idiot realtor who doesn't know what I'm doing. I'm just saying the market, the number one biggest thing of what it's worth is what someone is willing to pay for it. And so there's going to be a range there. There's some flexibility and that's why it's very important when you're working with these sellers, you need to understand the business. So you talk their language. Otherwise, they're going to go, eh, they don't know what I'm there. We're talking about. They don't understand this business. Let me just, you know, hold on. I, I'm, I'm making money. It's not that much work. I'll sell it later. And you see that a lot uh, when uh, residential realtors try to get these listings. So sure. knowing how to do yeah. it properly is very important. No, and that, that's why that this training would be so key to mm. if you're thinking about getting into residential assisted living listings, then yeah, you yeah. you definitely want to get this training from RL Academy. Uh, one question I have is, what what's the common motivation for a seller to sell? If you have a business that's generating 10, 15K a month and after the mortgage is paid off, maybe 15 or 20 yeah. or more, then, and and it's a fully operating business where, you know, there's employees that are running it and like, why would you sell that? Yeah, a great question. There's really kind of a couple of reasons why. Um, you know, first is there's two types of people who run these homes. There's mom and pops, and then there's professional operators. So the way that we teach it is much more the professional operator model, where we're not in the home. We don't live there. We don't work there. We hire a manager. The manager hires the caregivers, the independent contractors. They're kind of taking care of it. And we're just making sure that the residents are happy. You know, the manager's happy. Everyone's good. We check in every once in a while. More the business side is what we're managing there. But the other model, the mom and pop, and you see this a lot. This is the most prevalent in residential system living. Probably 80, 90% of people who run them, they live in the home, they work there, they're working 24 hours a day, and they have Mercedes in the driveways and BMWs, but they only use that Mercedes to drive from their house to the grocery store and back, 
you know, that's kind of the joke I would always make is you only see those cars go one place. So that's one of the big reasons is there's a serious burnout that can happen with people if they're working in the business. Obviously, the other reason why someone would sell is if they have what I call hot potato. So a business in a home that's in a bad location or has a bad reputation or, you know, a number of things, or maybe it's just a bad home and it can't get the rates it needs to make sense financially. So that's one of the other reasons. But then another reason, this would be more of our students and their model. You know, a lot of our students, their goal is let me get 10, 20, 30 of these and sell them off to a hedge fund for, you know, $20 million and, you know, or $50 million. And that's why they're exiting. So you have to look at each seller is a little bit different. You have to find what are their motivations? What are they trying to do? And you got to make sure you stay away from the hot potatoes um, because those can be very, very deadly because they're not going to make money no matter who you are most of the times. So it's about finding the right deals that can cash flow very well. Wow. Yeah. And I, I like that term, the hot potato and <laughs> being able to know deals intimately enough to not only see which ones are the right ones, but to have nicknames for them. I mean, that's just a testament to your experience in this space. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, you know, when it comes to generating these deals, I mean, lead generation, myself, I own a real estate marketing agency. We help with prospect nurture and retention. So basically we help the lead generation process through prospecting, digital advertising. Then we help them nurture the lead, right? Because real estate transactions don't happen day one. And so we nurture them. And then once they're closed, we help them put in this retention model to help retain the lead, generate referrals, and have those leads and conversions multiply into more uh, transactions later. So a big focus for my clients and for all the real estate professionals I talk to is lead generation, deal finding, right? And yeah. so you mentioned like from a list of 2000 in the market, calling every single one. And then you didn't really have like your scripts down at that time. And then as your career progressed, you realized like you could partner with listing agents that have these already and help them through that process. And then it seems like now you got to the point where we do know what to say to the, the list. So is the lead generation process now a, a lot more back on the phones? Like, are you doing mail? Like what's, what's been yeah. the successful lead generation tactic now that you have the experience and, and you, you know what to say? Absolutely. Um, you know, from where it started, um, you know, like I said, it started with, I was on the couch and I'm making calls and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm just a kid. Just Don't know what you're doing. Out, you're right? like, uh, <laughs> exactly. Just like, I'm just yeah. taking massive action, you know? Just, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and you know, that alone right there, what I realized was is that no one was calling these homes and trying to sell them as assisted livings. So there's serious pros and cons when it comes to selling assisted living. And I want to make sure to get into that um, so all the listeners can understand kind of what that is. And so one of the big things when it comes to residential assisted living homes, if you want to go out and, and there was one point in my career, I think I had probably about 15 listings. I'm just me. Like, you know, in my house, I just got married. I have 15 listings. I'm trying to juggle all these. I'm like, oh my gosh getting the listings in the residential assisted living space is not necessarily the hardest part of this. And I want to be very understanding mm. this. What you need to do is you need to understand what is a sellable deal and what's not a sellable deal. So as a good example, you know, a residential house, if you price it low enough, eventually someone will buy it. You know what I mean? Even if it is, you know, five grand or four grand and it's in the bad part of town, I mean, eventually someone's going to buy this thing. You know, when it comes to residential assisted livings, there are deals where it's literally 
you would have to sell it for less than the real estate value to sell it as an assisted living business. And that, that concept I can get into a little bit. I remember I went on a listing appointment, lady wanted 500 for the business and the real estate. I told her, if you want me to sell this as a house, I can sell it for about 400. I think her house is worth about 400. And I said, if you want me to sell this as an assisted living business, I can sell it for about mm, 250, 300. She's like, what are you talking about? The house is worth it. And I go, I know, but your numbers, this is not a good investment. I'd be much better off just buying a couple rentals down the street. She didn't like hearing that answer. She kicked me out. But that was one of the big things I learned getting into the industry is that it's not about just getting the, any listing. It's about getting the right listings, negotiating mm-hmm. that price out to the correct amount that's in that fair range that we're talking about. And then when you have that, it's about attracting the right buyers and having that. So there's so many different factors going on. It's important to have all of them. Now, one of the big things as well is that these listings, they can be more expensive, right? It could be a million dollars, $2 million, um, you know, and I've, I've been paid very well for the work that I've done. One of the other things that's been very cool about the deals is many times, and I know I just took my re-education, my 48 hours or 24 hours, whatever it was. And they say, don't do dual agency. Don't do that. Never do dual agency. Okay. I used to do dual agency all the time. And here's the thing about dual agency. It can work really well if the person who's the dual agent is a good human being. It can work really badly if you're not a good. So if you're like a sketchy person or whatever, you wouldn't be listening (laughs) to the show. But like, you know, if you got moral ethics problems, do not do that because you're that's the one-way ticket to jail. You got to make sure you're the right person to do it because you're tiptoeing a line many, many times. You got to be very, very careful with those relationships. So there was many times where I would do both sides of the deal. And it was much more of a business brokerage than selling a piece of real estate. You know, the buyer and the seller is getting to meet each other. We're going out to dinner together, and I'm kind of sitting in the middle, making sure everyone's good and helping with that handoff. Now, some of the stuff I said was really good, right? Expensive houses and big listings and big commission check, dual agency. Oh my goodness, this sounds amazing. I'm going to get into it tomorrow. Well, what's the downside? Well, the downside is, is that these deals can take some time. They can really take some time. I mean, six, you know, six to 12 months sometimes. And that's if, you know, you get a couple of really good buyers getting in there and they get it done. Now, it's not that I'm doing something wrong or this, that. The financing many times can take, you know, four to six months sometimes to do one of these homes because there's a whole business that's having to be financed in there. So that's one of the big challenges. The other big challenges, again, this is not, you know, if I go to buy a, a second residence or investment property, I don't get to meet the seller or I'm not even talking to the other agent. This, there's so much back and forth because essentially you're marrying together two partnerships and they're becoming one and they're transferring. So there's a lot of things you got to be very, very careful with. And you got to understand when you're doing this. And that's why it's so important just to understand the business, educate yourself first, and then start going out and trying to sell these homes. So you give yourself the best shot of success. Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes sense. I'm curious what brokerage you're with. I am with uh, MB Andrews and Associates up in North Scottsdale. It's always nice going up there. I live uh, over in Gilbert, Arizona, which, you, you know, you've been, it's, it's a nice little yeah. place, but you know, got a, nothing special going there, but always love going up there to Scottsdale. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and they obviously offer real estate as well as business brokerage combined, right? Yeah. And, so and both and that's, here. that's one of the other big things is, you know, my brokerage that I'm with, they're a real Swiss army knife. You know, it's like, you got a land deal, let's do it. You got an apartment, you got a single family home, you got an assisted living bit, you got a ranch over there, let's do this thing. You know, they're very 
all about it. And I remember very early on in my career, I went to Keller Williams because I'm kind of a Keller Williams guy, you know, button up type person. I said, I'm like a Keller Williams agent. I went in there and they were like, oh, you're the assisted living guy. That's great. Yeah. When you start, you're going to hand all your assisting living deals to Bill over here. And I'm like, who's Bill? You know, and they're, they're telling, wow, we got this MLM. And it's like, it sounded really good, but they, they didn't want me to sell these deals. So you first got to make sure your brokerage is okay with you selling these. Don't just try to take these things on and make sure that you do it the right way um, because there can be some additional liability to it. So you want to make sure whoever your brokerage is, or if you're going out to sell these, you have some business brokering, I guess not even as much business brokering, but it's almost commercial real estate uh, mm-hmm. experience when you're going into it. Again, the biggest thing that you need to focus on bringing to the table is the relationships, valuing the property right, making sure everyone's happy. And your broker, that's who you want to rely on for that proper advice when you're going about those processes. Yeah, absolutely. And for any of my listeners, if you're curious to get into this and looking for a a model switch, I'll uh, shamelessly self-promote EXP Realty and EXP Commercial. I'm a EXP commercial multifamily specialist and they have a business brokerage sector. So for example, a little bit more of a Swiss army knife as well with, yeah. you know, nationwide reach. My, uh, my mom and stepdad right now inherited a farm in Northern California that has land and an existing uh, walnut farm business. And uh, part of what I am now able to help and refer out to the EXP network is the land sale for a, an agent that specializes in in commercial farmlands up in Northern California, and then the business to a business broker specialist that specializes in selling farms, and and so you have that ability. But a lot of like typical brokerages that are the brick and mortar local ones that are doing residential only, you might be listening to this and you wouldn't be able to do a business residential assisted living transaction altogether with in your license and then earn a, earn a commission on it. Right. So I think that that's, that's an important factor. Well, one of the, the things I'll shamelessly plug EXP as well is I love my brokerage. That's why, you know, I have a left, I got personal relationships and things like that. But when you're out there, if you're new, maybe you're at a, a brokerage, you just had to hang your license somewhere, go out and look at what's available, you know, give yourself five or 10 chances, but absolutely make sure EXP is one of those choices because they really are the future of real estate. I mean, this is like the Tesla of real estate. You yep. need to make sure that's one of them that you're researching. And, you know, maybe it's not right for you or whatever. Maybe more the Keller Williams person or this, that. But EXP's got so many cool things. I mean, we could do the whole show on EXP, but I'm right. not even part of them and I'm promoting them. But great, great brokerage and uh, some really interesting stuff that they have for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Emmanuel, is there something that I should have asked you, a, a question in particular that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon? from earlier? You know, I guess uh, the big thing is for all of you listening, you know, there's people out there who go out and they're action takers, they're doers. And guess what? They make mistakes. You got to break a couple legs to make the omelet. You know, as they say, (laughs) you got to go out there. You got to be willing to do what other people aren't. And guess what? I'm going to tell you this. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, you know, you don't have to cold call, you know, 10,000 people every single day forever. Eventually that business starts picking up. Those referrals start picking it up. But every person who's successful, every person who's in shape, every person who's whatever, they follow the right systems to start off. And there's no escape of that hard work. So don't don't look for some silver bullet solution. Look for, is it worth it? Is it worth what I'm doing right now? Are my goals big enough? Do I want this bad enough? Because I'll tell you what, I've had days where I've done 150 cold calls 
And then I've had days where literally, you know, you'd think my phone like uh, was, was going to kill me if I touched it because I was just like, I can't make a call. It's all about that why, that passion. And so if you're ever struggling with a cold call, like that's like the test, you know, if you want it bad enough and you got to get really clear on your motivations, your why. And I know one of the things, um, you know, you love asking guests is like, what's that one thing that really, really helps every single day? You know, I have a, a power hour every morning where I meditate, I journal, I work out, I listen to 30 minutes of a book. I don't do all that in one hour. It takes about two hours. But, you know, if you're just getting started, meditate, journal. Brendan Bruchard has a great journal, you know, just got some good prompts. Getting that day started off right and ending that day off right, you can't control what happens in the middle, but you can control the ends. You can bookmark your days the right way. That would be the the one or two or three or five things, whatever I just said. Those would be the big things that I want to get across because if one person just heard what I said and it seeped in and that changes their lives, it's all worth it. You know, what we Absolutely. do here. So Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, we kind of skipped over the entrepreneur habits questions and, you know, we spent a lot of time on some really valuable topics, but I appreciate you sharing that. And um, I'm curious, you know, how can listeners contact you? And then I think you had a, a free yeah. gift for the listeners as well. Well, the best place is we got arielblueprint.com, arielblueprint.com. There's so many cool things on here. I'm on here right now. It's got, you know, we got webinars we can give to you. We got a book though, our Ariel Blueprint book that that book is something you need to have and read through that. And, you know, when it comes to residential assisted living, it's not right for everyone. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that apartments is right for everyone or assisted living or fix and flip or this, or that. You got to find that thing that's right for you. But don't go out there and, and just kind of my last word of advice to the listeners is don't go out there trying to look for some perfect solution. That's not, we don't live in a perfect world. Stop. Like that's the little devil on your shoulder giving you bad advice. You know, get clear on your why. Because when you're clear on that why, you can go out and be successful in anything that you try to do. Residential assisted living is an amazing thing. It's going to be big for the next 20, 30 years with all the seniors we have getting older. You know, but whatever that thing is for you, just be clear on your why. Be clear on that purpose and the rest will take care of itself. But arielblueprint.com. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Best way to get more information or residentialassistedlivingacademy.com. If you want to reach out to us, happy to have a call with you, talk this through with you in more detail and uh, we can go over that with you. Awesome. Emmanuel Greeno, everyone. Ralacademy.com. I'll link below to uh, the, you know, the items that you mentioned. This has been a very unique episode. I appreciate you sharing the opportunity that is in residential assisted living. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love being on here and thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.